What's up, everybody? Bradley with the Insurance Guys podcast here. Before we get started with this episode, I want to talk to you about this week's sponsor. If you pay any attention to the Independent Agency channel, you know there's no hotter buzzword right now than VAs or virtual assistants. This week's sponsor, I'm proud to say, is CoverDesk, who offers an innovative client solution for agencies to outsource client-facing VAs. Created by agency veteran Andy Priesman, owner of Greenway Insurance. People, this is not your typical VA company. They offer a proven system of recruiting highly educated virtual assistants, ensuring consistent performance for your agency. With their experience, they're able to help you design a program that is just right for you and your agency. They implement by onboarding and training each VA in foundational insurance skills. Visit CoverDesk on the web at www.coverdesk.com or email them at hello at CoverDesk.com or you can call them and tell them that the insurance guys sent you. Please do at 512-879-3345. Guys, give CoverDesk a ring. I promise you, you will not regret it. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Sarah Land, Alabama, parade first team All-American rivals, five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? Great, Scott. How are you today? How excited are you about doing this podcast today? Very, 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 very excited. Guys, I want to tell you what we've got for you today. Our mission on this podcast has never changed. Every week, we try to talk about something different something that you agents out there may or may not have experienced. And we try to give you some things that can help you in your agency. Today's guest on this podcast, this is going to be a very, very good podcast. And it's going to be something that some of you are going to really need to listen to. And I'm going to tell you why. I have worked, I was a nationwide agent on April 27th, 2011, when we had the worst tornado outbreak in the history of the United States of America. My house was hit by a tornado at 6.30 in the morning. I got out of bed, I threw my son and my wife in a bathtub and I grabbed a uh, king size uh, bed off of the actual bed, threw it on them into the bathroom and of course being a guy, I ran to the back door, and as I ran to the back door, there was a tornado going through my backyard and took out two 100-year-old, 200-year-old oak trees as it was going, and I could see the debris flying in it, and it was just missed, well, kind of clipped my yard and house, and then it kept going. Little did I know that that was the very first tornado of a day of tornadoes in the state of Alabama that killed Bradley, I don't remember how many people it killed, but it was a lot. It was a lot, yeah. And, 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 it, and, it, and it just seemed like it never stopped. I mean, it was like every 30 minutes, every person in North Alabama was under a tornado warning. Every 30 minutes. And if, if you have a conversation with any claims adjuster in the state of Alabama regarding claims for more than five minutes, 
they're all, it doesn't matter the company, they all reference, well, April 27, 2011, it's one of those days that, that in terms of, of storms and claims and things like that, for lack of a better phrase, lives in infamy as it relates to insurance in the state of Alabama. Absolutely. Guys, without further ado, I want to bring on our guest. We're going to talk about catastrophes. We're going to talk about managing claims during catastrophes. We're going to talk about a lot of things on this podcast, but more importantly, I want him to tell his story. So without further ado, he's originally from San Juan, Puerto Rico. He lives in St. Augustine, Florida, and he is the founder of Ariel Rivera and Associates in San Juan, Puerto Rico, and the agency owner at Deer Insurance Agency in Jacksonville, Florida. He's a veteran of 16 years in the industry, and he is married to the beautiful Lilmi, and they have one daughter named Isabel. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to introduce first time on the Insurance Guys podcast, insurance agency owner, Mr. Ariel Rivera. How are you, Ariel? I'm doing great, Scott. Bradley, how are you doing, my man? Well, thank you so much for being on this podcast. Thank you, man. I'm honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited about it. We're going to change things up today. Normally, I ask you to go back in your DeLorean and talk about how you got in the insurance business. We have together, you and I, a much more compelling story that needs to be told. So we have a hurricane that completely destroys the country of Puerto Rico. You were there the night that it happened. You were in, I believe, San Juan. Is that correct? Yep. Yes, sir. San Juan, Puerto Rico. You had an agency there. You have an insurance agency that has policies in that country. Talk to our audience today before we get started in talking about claims and catastrophes that hopefully... A lot of these agents won't ever have to deal with this, but talk to them about starting with that night, what happened, where you were, and then we'll just move into talking about the days after. All right, sure, man. First of all, Scott, man, what you went through with tornadoes, oh my God, I can't even imagine that. That is just brutal, horrible. Just so you know, that's one of my biggest, um, I would say worst nightmares in the world. Because right. I know how to deal with hurricanes, but I do not know how to deal with tornadoes. Right. And there's a big difference between them because for a tornado, you cannot get prepared. For right. a hurricane, you can get prepared. But for a tornado, man, what you went through, that's just crazy stuff. Yep, so, I mean, all definitely you were the man at the time and at the moment and you took care of your family. So, kudos to you, brother. Kudos Thank to you. you. I appreciate so, yeah. that. We had, first of all, we had back-to-back hurricanes in 12 days. Uh, I think it was 12 or 16 days. We first had Hurricane Irma, which was came in as a Category 5, but then it came through the island as a Category 1. But then 12, 16 days afterwards, we had Hurricane Maria, which was the big one, that came through the island as a Category 4. Just so you can imagine, a Category 4 hurricane, the boys that measure the wind, on the, you know, to know the wind speed and all that, they just, the last wind speed that they got, it was like 220 miles and they just took them off. So the hurricane was actually measured through the satellite. Mm. So, you know, as the hurricane was coming in, obviously, you know, we were without power, then all hell broke loose. We set up similar to what you would set up for a tornadoes in terms of, you know, you have your specials, 
secure room. So for us, it was our daughter's bathroom. You know, we took a good big blanket. We had a toddler cut. She was three at the time. So we set up the toddler cut. We charged the iPad because we knew we were going to be without power. Downloaded some movies and put her, you know, I put her in my Bose headset because I didn't want her to hear the noise of the hurricane. You know, that, that sound is just brutal. It's horrible. As the night went on, what happened was we had a broken window in my master bedroom. So I live in an apartment complex. So on the third floor, we have the penthouse. It's a walk up. Once the window, the broken window on my master bedroom happened, all the water starts coming in. So now you have wind problem plus flood problem. I mean, I had to shut down that door. We all hid in the bathroom. We went to my daughter's bathroom. You can probably see a picture of that on my Facebook or something. And we just stayed there until, you know, my wife went into the tub. She was, my daughter was in the toddler cut, and then I was just sitting in the toilet. So basically, we had set up the bathroom with water, tostitos, snacks, cookies, and everything just to spend the night there. So we spent a couple hours, maybe six, eight hours. Uh, then we had the eye of the hurricane. We, when we went out, obviously, the apartment was completely flooded. So, you know, we started ditching water out the door, but right. then it will go down the stairs, and you got to, you know, run down because you don't want to flood your neighbor's apartment and then just keep taking water out water out water out uh once the eye of the hurricane is over everything comes back again you know once it turns around and that was it man when it turned around it was probably four or five in the morning and then we spent another six to eight hours of hell it's just brutal so, i wish nobody goes through that so. so 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 all totaled while you're going through the whole thing from beginning to the eye the back end of the hurricane are we talking about a 12-hour event there, probably 12 hours that all this is going on? Yep, yep, probably between 12 and 18 hours it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it was crazy. I guess from an agency standpoint, you guys were okay. I can imagine that the next morning, you know, when it's over, sun comes out, you walk outside, and I'm assuming that you're seeing what looks like a war zone, right? It looks like a war zone. Trees are down. I mean, light poles are down. Some buildings were down. You could barely go out outside of your street. You know what I mean? Because everything, you know, all the debris was there. Once we were able to go out on the second day, the most impressive part, so Puerto Rico is an island on the Caribbean. So it's right. beautiful. It's full of greens and trees and all that thing that makes it visually beautiful. Everything was brown. So right. no leaf, no anything. So it actually looked like somebody put fire on it like it completely burned the whole island yeah that's so when, the salt, then, salt water is burning the trees up is that what's happening yep. so everything i mean with all the salt water that came in and obviously all the flooding and the wind knock, knocking down trees and light poles it was like wow there was something you could never imagine and and being born and raised on puerto rico in the island we've been through hurricanes but usually it's it's a little bit i would not say funny is the word but you know you guys can understand this it's a little bit funny because when we get a category one hurricane we're drinking man we're right. i mean three day we're drinking right. <laughs> kind of how it is here man we just we just had a tropical storm two weeks ago and yes you did like, yep. i've had you know all my friends it's kind of like when you're not in alabama like say you're traveling and you're talking to somebody you know or maybe somebody you don't know and they're like oh yeah i know such and such in Alabama, and they think it's a small place. It's yeah. like, I have a cousin in Huntsville. Do you know him? Like, well, that's six and a half hours from me. You know what yeah, I mean? It's huge, it's huge. So all of my insurance agent buddies 
from all over the country, or not all of them, but a lot of them texted me, Hey man, you guys doing okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm out working in the yard today. Like no big deal. You know? <laughs> right. uh, so I totally get what you're saying. Totally. Yep, there you go. There you go. So yeah, category two, we get a little bit scared now two and beyond. It's like, Whoa, something's going to go down. So, but we never been through a category four, which was the horrible part. That was the very, very, very scary part about it. Going back to the agency, yes, I did have my agency. The roof on my agency went up. So basically the wind came through the roof. Uh, we were able to get to the agency. We already had a plan in place where I was the only one who was going to go to the agency because I did not want my team to go out you know, and put themselves at risk. So I'm going to go look at the agency. I went over there, opened the door. Everything flooded. Roof was open. Everything on the floor. I mean, obviously, we prepared it and set it up. Uh, we put, I don't know, trash bags, plastic bags. We tied up some stuff, but it was completely ruined. So I said, all right, so it's happened. My worst nightmare, I'm not going to lie. Maybe a couple of tears <laughs> through that moment, seeing your whole office, you know, basically destroyed. And now, okay, let's just, we had a plan. Let's just work through our plan. So as soon as we were able to get, because remember, there's no cell phone signal, no power, no water, no anything. Nobody can come in. Nobody can get out of the island because the airport towers were, they, one of them actually, the hurricane knocked it down. So at that time, we started our plan and our process basically where I was going to meet up with my staff, my team, my staff, and I will let them know, okay, so we're going to divide and conquer. So we had already set it up in a way. We went out and one of the things uh, I talk about when I teach disaster preparedness we went out, and this is going to help you guys in Alabama. Uh, we went out and we bought two old school burner phones. The one that if you wanted to send a text message, you had to hit, you know, three times the, <laughs> the number. Right. And people, people were like, why would you buy that? That makes no sense. Like, dude, Scott like still 20. uses one of those. Yeah. <laughs> why would you buy that? Well, those phones don't use data. So the moment the signal comes, a little bit of signal the burner phones or those old school cheapy phones or however you want to call them, they're the first one to actually get a number on. So that you can, you're going to be able to receive or make calls because they don't use data. So if you don't use data, you're not you know, surfing the web or whatever. So we previously, we notified through social media to our clients, we sent an email communication saying, we got these two burner phones, these new phones, emergency phones, you can just call in leave a voice message if we don't answer and then just let us know your claim. And that way we're going to start opening and opening and opening claims, which work out really good. We opened probably a little bit over a thousand claims in 30 days or something like that. How long did it take from the time the hurricane ended had passed through? And then, you know, you go look at your agency. How long did it take for those two burner phones to pick up a satellite signal? Probably seven days. Somewhere around seven days, right after day 15 or 30th after the hurricane. Yeah. It was awesome because I don't know if you ever heard of the Google balloons or whatever they call them. So Google sent to Puerto Rico, they donated these huge balloons that they put up in the sky. And these are like, let's just say, and moving antennas. So to help us, since most of our, you know, cell phone towers and antennas went down, right. Google sent those balloons and they strategically placed them, I think it was four of them uh, around the island, so people will have some type of signal. So they can call each other, call their family members. Even though you're with your family, the island is not that big. It's probably two hours and a half drive from point to point. But most of us, we all have family in the state. 
my mom lived in the States. My sister lived in the States. When you are on the States and a hurricane goes down in Puerto Rico and you know they're not going to have power or cell phone signal or anything, you are probably struggling more on the States because you're so scared you don't know anything about your family. It got to a point where basically on the main highway in Puerto Rico, especially in San Juan, uh, it has four or five lanes. Three of those lanes, there was an area probably a mile long. That was the only area you would get cell phone signal. So it's funny because everyone, as you're driving in, you have to take the left lane. It was the only one that was moving. The rest of the lanes were all covered by cars by people calling their families and letting them know, listen, we're fine. Even if you live in San Juan and you go to the southern part of the island, which is Ponce, and you have family down there, you cannot get there because of all the debris and trees and everything down. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, you mentioned the process that you had come up with. I think after the tornadoes that hit that day in Alabama, our agency kind of came up with a what we call the, the catastrophic disaster process. Talk to us a little bit more about some of the stuff that you did to prepare for that, because you did have time. You, you had four or five days, I guess, where you're hearing yep, yep. that, hey, this is going to be bad. Uh, we have what is called disaster plan. We have an emergency plan and a contingency plan. I recommend every agency, every agency in the United States, get those plans. However works for you. It could be a one-page disaster preparedness plan. It could be a 10-page, maybe 100 pages, whatever works for you. It's a simple plan where you're going to say, okay, if, a tor- if I'm in Alabama and a tornado is going to destroy my agency, I will have no phones no computers or whatever you can still work from home obviously to be there now who's the first one that's going to visit the agency who's going to be in charge of letting the team know the agency it's done we're going to execute our plan now and we're going to work from home so when we work from home who's going to be making the calls who's going to be receiving the calls who's going to be on the street canvassing surveying looking at our clients' uh, laws, we did a lot of condos and, and commercial property buildings in Puerto Rico. So with my producers, we split in a way that I would visit certain condos, they would visit other condos. So just to make sure when you get there, talk to somebody, whether it's a, a board member, security guard, anybody, just so your client knows you're there. Another cool thing with it on our plan since we knew they were, people were not going to be able to have signal, so we had a banners created, right? Where we would put in the banners, we are in the recovery process. These are our phone numbers. If you have a claim, you can call them and just leave a message or talk to one of our team members. Now, the banners work out fine because most of the condos and, and communities in Puerto Rico are gated. You, we would place it on the exit gate. So people actually, every time you needed to leave your home to buy food or whatever, you would see our banner. That was the one. So it was do away. It it was not a selling point. It was just empathy, careness, and kindness point where we would say, this is where we are. So when, when you set up your agency, do what works for you. That's super important. We tell everyone, do it in a way that you feel comfortable. If you like working from home, and you're already working from home. Like for us, when this whole COVID-19 started, we were already set up to work from home. So it didn't make a huge difference because we learned with the hurricane to put our plan in process. What type of phone system do you have? You know, the, the, the VoIP system. Can you do a soft phone on your laptop so you can right. make calls from your laptop? So right. there's so many technology and resources out there that you can use to service your client. It's just put it down in writing. 
listen, we put down sales, goals, processes, everything related to running the agency, but we do not put down on pen and paper what we're going to do if something bad really goes on. It could be a fire, by the way. It doesn't have to be a hurricane or tornado. It could be a blizzard that just, you know, knocked the roof on your agency. There's so many things can happen. What I like about that, too, is it's so easy everyone's guilty, including myself, of wanting to talk about the sexy stuff, the automation, the yep, marketing, yep. <laughs> the, the sales, the process. But the reason we're all doing this are claims. That's the reason we're doing this. That's, and, that's the only way we prove ourselves to our clients is that the claim happened. And it's scary to think about, and Scott and I have an interesting perspective, is all the agents we talk to, I mean, I guarantee you less than 10%, and this is not just podcast guests, this is everybody less than 10% probably have a written process for claims, including myself, of what we're going to do in the event of a catastrophe. We just kind of wing it. Yep. Bradley, I want to jump in here and I want you to help me out with this. Okay. So a couple of things I've done as far as our catastrophe response team that we implement on catastrophes, the person that lives closest to that agency office is the one responsible for getting to the agency. There you go. If I live an hour away and we have a multi-catastrophe, multi-event catastrophe, it's going to be difficult for me to get there. Roads are probably going to be blocked. Cell phones are not going to work. I do love the burner phone idea. I'm going to take that and implement that. There you go. But one of the things we did, we have a tent in our, our Athens office because that's where the majority of our personal lines policyholders are at. Part of our disaster response is we're going to set that tent up outside. If we can use cell phones, we're going to be we're going to be on cell phones because our office phones may or may not work. But the thing I want Bradley to talk about, and it's something that I got from uh, CJ Hudson Pillar. Hudson Pillar. So, so Ariel, you may not know this, but back six months ago, Nashville, Tennessee, and the surrounding areas got dominated by tornadoes one night yep yep luckily i was not up there when that happened because i i go up to nashville pretty frequently but uh a lot of cj's people had claims involved with that tornado outbreak and it's something that now that we've switched management systems we're able to do in this office and i want bradley to expand on this because he's going to know more about it than i do but what we have now in terms of technology in my office is let's say that a random Tuesday night at eight o'clock, a tornado hits an hour from here or 20 minutes from here. We can now pinpoint that location on Google, Google Earth, Google Maps. We can go out 30 miles from that and, and collect those zip codes, come back into our agency management system now and extract the policyholders that are in that zip code nice. and send them a text from our agency management system that just says, hey, we know that you just had some severe weather in your area. And in fact, we can even, if, we, if we're fast enough, we could do it on a severe weather day where there, we could do it for all of our policyholders in a particular area where we can send out that morning, hey, it's a severe weather day, please remain weather aware, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But the other thing we can do is pinpoint where that happened and then send out a mass text to those people talking about, you know, if you have a claim, if you have damage, contact us at this number. 
Bradley, do you want to expand on that a little bit? Because I think you probably know a little bit more about that than I do. Yeah, so the way you do it, um, and I actually have spent this time pulling mine up, um, and this is a brilliant idea from CJ, who, if you know CJ, is you know has no short of brilliant ideas. <laughs> but basically, you can create, it's called My Maps, and it's within Google Maps. And essentially, what you can do, the way you start doing it, and I don't know if there, I'm sure there's a way to automate it, where every time you write a property, it automatically goes on there. But what you do is you export all of your addresses in your entire book of business, um, and you would basically upload them to and create a My Map. And it essentially layers on top of a Google Map, and it's got uh, little flags, little pinpoints where all of your clients are. You know, so what CJ was able to do in the tornado hit is go in, like Scott said, and pull, okay, these people, and he's in a lot of cases calling people before they've had damage saying, hey, you've got damage. And they're like, wait, what? Because it's like a secondary home or something like that. Yeah. And I'll actually share my screen with you and show me mine. I know that show you mine. I know this is no good to the listeners, but um, uh, well, never mind. Johnny disabled screen sharing. If you want to see that, guys, reach out to us and I, I'll, I'd be happy to show you kind of what mine looks like. Um, I'll take a picture here. So. Uh, Scott and Ariel can can see it. That's what that's what mine looks like. So wow. you're able to pull up all of your policyholders and nice. kind of cross reference. It's I, I think it's a it, it's a a great freaking tool. And and, I, and to be frank, I think it's a selling point. I know CJ's done some some really cool marketing videos talking about hey, this is the the extra step we take it at Hunts and Pillar Insurance. We don't wait for you to call to file the claim. We call you and say hey, do you want to file a claim? I think it's something that a lot of agents hearing about this well that i don't need to do that but i think it speaks volumes to the clients with how much you care it does that's a great system i never heard about it i wish i had that back in the hurricane happened uh we did that manually actually so we started emailing text messaging uh more text messaging and everything because the text will go through the even though if you don't have full you know data signal so we started calling and emailing all of almost all of our clients and that system would have been awesome at that time. That's definitely every agency should look into. That's for so, sure. The, Thank you. Guys. So, so you know, Ariel, the problem with that system, with, with what Bradley and I just discussed, that's fine for a single tornado outbreak that maybe you've only got two or three tornadoes that have cut across a path through what would be a lot of your clients that you have on your book. Okay. But when you have a catastrophic event that is as big as, say, a Category 5 hurricane that may hit Mobile, every cell phone in a 300-mile radius is not going to be able to receive a text. Yep. Right. Yep, You're not going to be able – I mean, they probably get that text six, seven, eight, ten days after you after send it, yeah. right? No more effort than it takes to send a mass text. I still think you send it. Yeah. But yeah, right. that's like Scott said, that's a situation where you're going to have to make individual phone calls. And another tip I would give you guys um, with this, if you've got a storm coming, and I know in a lot of cases, you know, we don't know what's coming. I would suggest you can download the offline version of Google Maps. Yep. It'll take a little bit, but you know, I know when we went to Cuba, that's what we did and that's how we got around. I, you know, you don't want to build this great, you know, map with all your clients pinpointed and then not be able to pull it up because there's no internet. <laughs> so I would download an offline version of that and just have it at all times. And it's something I haven't updated mine in about six months. So it's something I think, again, there's, I'm sure there's a way to automate it, but it may be harder to set the automation up than it is just to, you know, set yourself a calendar reminder to go in, pull a list and, and add the, you know, the, the addresses that aren't on there. 
Going back to your to your point, Scott, maybe because there will be no power or no signal or whatever, you cannot send the text afterwards. But if it's a name storm or a name hurricane, you can always send it beforehand. As we get prepared for the storm, blah, 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 that's coming in, I want you to know that we're here for you. Once everything is mm -hmm. safe, which is how we do it, to go outside, we're going to be up and running working for you. If you send it beforehand, the client's going to be like, oh, wow, they really care, which in the end, we all care. I know I've made fun of automation and marketing earlier, and I'm about to, to <laughs> dive right into that. We do a lot of automation in, in my agency, always have. Um, even back before I owned the agency, we use a system that does text messages as well as voicemail drops. If you're not sure what a voicemail drop is, it's where you get a voicemail without the phone ringing. It's a great way to, uh, you can do mass voicemails to clients, things like that. They think that you're calling just them when in fact you've called 300 people. I don't think there's a better mass text, voicemail drop, automation, whatever you want to call it, than, hey guys, there's a storm coming. We just wanted to check in and see if you guys needed anything, you need any sandbags. And then one after the fact that's mass sent out to all your clients. Hey, it's Bradley with Portal, just checking on you. I've always done that. I actually used to do it manually. I would literally sit there and text every single <laughs> client after we had a storm and say, hey, how are you guys doing? That sort of thing. That was me also, by the way. Sorry. Yeah, I've got one. And that's not to say that I'm the greatest. I'm terrible in 99% of the things that I do. But I've got this one client that, that always gets those texts and is so appreciative of it. And in fact, I had another one. Here's an even better tip. Text the people you've quoted that you didn't write and text the people that you used to have as clients that left you. I had a client that came back to me, that came back to me a couple of years ago that left our agency and came back to me because he heard from me and he did not hear from his current agent who's supposed right. to be one of the better agents in this area, no shade or anything like that. And he posted about it on Facebook and said, man, this guy's texted me on my birthday. He's texted me on Christmas and he's texted me to check on me after a storm. I haven't heard from my current agent since I bought the policy. Right. And right. again, not thumping my own chest because I didn't do anything special. All I did was set an automation system up. There you go. That's the you way know, to do it, man. Bradley, you're, you're a hundred percent right. I mean, as important as it is to reach out to your clients, you know, Billy Wagner says, touch them 10 times a year. You know, that's a touch. Whether if I could be one-tenth of what Billy Wagner is. I know, I know. me too. <laughs> but, but I could see the value also in texting or sending out a ringless voicemail to prospects as well because you're exactly right. There's going to be probably more than a few of those people that are going to say, wait a minute, that son of a bitch doesn't even have my insurance and he's texting me. You know, I, I could see that being a, a tool to use in, in terms of prospecting as well. As a disclaimer, don't go text 300 people that are not your clients that have not opted into texting because Bradley Flowers told you so on the insurance yeah. podcast. <laughs> you will get the absolute dog crap suit out of you. There was an insurance company this week that uh, judgment came down, I think, for $250 million because some of their agents texted people that had not opted in. It's probably the one way of marketing that you can definitely get yourself sued. And if you're not sure about that, look up TCPA. So how do you do it then, Bradley, if you want to text those prospects, let's say a catastrophe situation or just a birthday text or vo ringless voicemail, how do you, how are you, how do you get around that? 
everybody that gets a quote from my agency opts into texting some way, shape, form, or the other. It may be through a forum that they fill their information out in on the website. It may be uh, CSR asking them, you know, hey, uh, mm-hmm. is it okay if we text you, that sort of thing. And then the system, when they ever say stop or stop texting me, there's certain phrases if your system is good enough. There's certain phrases that when they text those phrases, it won't ever let you text them again. So, yeah, we send them. We actually send them three ways to opt in. So we send them a text message. We send them uh, on our form. We always ask, do you approve text messages? So if you want me to quote you, you got to fill this form, and then you got to approve text message. And then yeah. the third way is through an email. Obviously, they don't always answer the email, but at least I have two ways that work really good to actually get them to opt in. Always ask, do you approve text messages? That's that yeah. will be my biggest recommendation for you guys. And, and it's a subtle art because you don't want the text to seem automated. Right. I want when that person receives that text, whether it's a follow-up text, a marketing text, a hey, how are you doing text, I want them to think that I'm stopping what I'm doing and I'm texting them individually. And the way that I do that is it's our office number. And if it's not our office number, it's a local number. It's not a five-digit number. There's no disclaimers after it that says reply, stop to MSG. And da, 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 da. It, you can't tell. It's not the text you've opted in at the restaurant to let you know when your table's ready, right? So there's that. But then at the same time, you also want to get the opt-in. So it's a subtle art trying to find that happy medium where they know that they've opted into something, but at the same time, they think it's you. And that's something that, that I think comes from, from trial and error. I'm not exactly sure how TCPA reads, but if they are already a client of yours, unless they try to opt out, there's no, I don't think you have to have any, hey, this is where they opted in kind of situation. Yeah, uh, okay. I'm not 100% sure on that though. You know, it's so funny that you're bringing this up, Bradley. So with all of our new agency technology that we're implementing right now as we speak, I met yesterday with Justin Miller in my agency, who is the one that's in charge of setting up all the automations to touch clients and prospects. And I told him yesterday, I said, I have one rule that is your guiding North Star for everything you do to automate touches to clients and prospects. I don't care what you send out in the form of a birthday card, a text message, an email, whatever it is to both clients and prospects, do not send it out unless it's authentic. Yeah. If it doesn't look authentic and it doesn't look like Scott sent this to them, I want when somebody gets either a text message, a ringless voicemail, a birthday card, whatever it is, I want them to think to themselves, first thing right out of the gate, wow, that sure is nice that Scott sent that to me and not think that, oh, well, that's just something he sent to everybody. Well, and here and here's my advice to that. I agree 100%, but I also don't let that stop you from if somebody calls you out on something saying, oh, yeah, that, that's, that's automated. Right. Because it, it keeps you a little bit transparent. You know what I mean? Right. Um, we try our best um, automation wise to set follow-ups currently building a, a platform out now or not a platform, but a campaign out now on the platform for my new guys, my, my new agents that when they quote somebody, it's actually going to automatically follow up with them. Mm-hmm. And what we're testing that now with certain clients and what's happened is you have some that they've already bought and they're getting a text that says, mm-hmm. Hey, just following up on the insurance. Like, I just bought this from me. So that we obviously we have to get those kinks worked out. And there's a way to do that. Hey, hey, no big deal, man. That text is actually automated. Right. It's, yeah. what, I, what I'm saying is don't be scared to say it is, but at the same time, 
your effort in the actual campaign it needs to be hey this is scott is personally sending that right you know? yep yeah. Um, yeah i try to make everything personal everything personal i always people make fun of me every time sometimes because my text messages are too long and i yeah. go like listen when i send you a text i want to send you a text saying hey bradley how you doing hope everything is well and then i go to the point but i mean i always want to wish you good because that's who i am it, it might be a little bit longer than 160 letters or words or whatever but you, it's who we are so even though yeah. it goes automated it's just how we're built and see, I'm the opposite. I get right to the point. Like I've been accused yeah. before of not being very friendly, even though I'm a friendly light. <laughs> the hours of 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. I'm I'm on, and I'm I'm getting right to the point. And you know, I've had some uh, some wholesale brokers before call me, and, and before I started Portal back when I was full of piss and vinegar, I've had a wholesale broker call me one time and say, "Hey, can you do me a favor? Like, what's that? Can you please, when you get quotes back from our underwriters, reply thank you." Because they think that they think that you're this really mean guy, because you're like, here's a quote, give me that quote, you know, and you're actually really really nice, and they need to know that. I'm like, man, I'm sorry. It's just when I'm, everything's about the client. Like, it's what can I do, you know? An underwriter, at least back then, to me, is was just an obstacle to get to the end goal. It was just part of the yep. process. I'm the opposite. I'm just very quick to the point, short. Scott will tell you that too. <laughs> hey, hey, don't feel bad, Bradley. We've had our hands slapped over here multiple times relative to talking with a adjuster or an underwriter or a, 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 a mm -hmm. ser service representative about an account and, you know, having a little bit of a terse conversation where we know we're right and they're telling us something else. And then you get a sales manager calling you or t email texting you or something saying, Hey, you got to back off the throttle a little bit here. Yeah. You got, you well, gotta, it's, <laughs> it's sort I was explaining that to a, to, and I know we're getting way off subject, but I think this is interesting. I was explaining that to one of my, my newer team members the other day, we had a deal in short, probably the most pissed off I've ever been in the insurance industry ever, where we quoted a decent sized commercial account for us, presented it to the client for a, a risk that is this carrier's niche presented it to the client and sold them on two aspects that only this particular carrier had. That was the anchor of our presentation. There were no other options. We go back to the office, ask an underwriter, a simple question. The underwriter without going into detail, deliberately tried to find a way to decline this risk, even though there was anyway, and declined it for a stupid reason. And we're on a chat. And before we were off of the chat I had already emailed and called someone who was probably three or four in that company and okay. my producer's like man that you're gonna seem like a real jerk to this underwriter you went over his head I'm like I'm just trying to get my client like when I'm when I'm in the mode of trying to get my client handled I'm not worried about anything else mm, we're getting go. that client handled we are getting the deal we're getting this client taken care of and that was one of four times <laughs> that that particular underwriter tried to kill that deal for four different reasons. I don't know why. And uh, we actually ended up closing it yesterday. Um, nice. The reason Amazon wins is they are client first. To hell with everybody else. Client first. Right. Everything else will work itself out. It's the only way out. we're going to win. It's the only way we're going to win as independent agents. Client first. You got to care about your client, your community, your people, your team, your family. Client first. Dude, Ryan Hanley said one day to me, said that the most inconvenient way to buy insurance is from an independent agent. We've got to figure out a way to fix that. Yeah. Yep. That's true. And, and right. even our image, people think of us that when they say, oh yeah, you're here to sell me insurance. That's not how we are. That's not who we are. We sponsor little league teams. We're part of the community. 
we help our schools, man. We truly care about the people we serve in our community. And that image, changing that image, it's a long way, but we can do it. We can definitely do it. Hey, Ariel, before I shut this podcast down, I had a specific question that I wanted to talk with you about that I find very interesting. And I hope the agents listening to this, the 250,000 insurance agents from around the world, you have an agency in San Juan, Puerto Rico. You have an agency, Deer Insurance Agency in Jacksonville, Florida. Talk to our agency force out there and give them some tips and tricks on how you manage those two agencies in terms of your time, your energy, your effort. Because as an agency owner, I have three locations, but they're all within 60 miles of each other. But how do you do that? That's a great question. Well, first of all, this last February, I sold my Puerto Rico agency. When I started the Florida agency, the way I manage it, I basically, I travel up and down almost on a monthly basis between both agencies. The Puerto Rico agency, being a well-established agency for 15, 16 years, I had an amazing team. My biggest answer to you would be build a great team. I mean, my team was from my producers to business development, you know, to our claims people. Everyone was amazing. So I knew my clients were getting taken care of. So I would basically travel up and down just to go to specific meetings with our large accounts, whether it's emergency room, big condos, usually twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 premium up, uh, and above, all the way up to, you know, three hundred, five hundred. My team, number one, that was the first thing. The other thing I did happen that did change is since we did a lot of commercial in Puerto Rico, I focused my Florida agency on personal lines. And it was funny because you can give me a half a million dollar account on an oceanfront condo and I can write you that easily. I mean, I don't want, I'm not bragging about it, but it's something I've been doing. So I know all about buybacks agreement, underwriting guidelines, you know, how we prepare that. But then Florida, the way I set it up, I set it up more for personal lines because it's very hard. Commercial takes a lot of time. So when you start doing commercial, basically it takes up most of your time. Uh, Florida is a scratch agency. We are just starting. So what I did to set up on more on personal lines, I reached out to the guys that knew. So that already have done it, like Bradley, Carlos Vargas, even Matt Naoli, um, all of those guys. And I'm like, listen, I can write commercial. I can do that. But I want to do, I want to focus Florida on personal lines. Mm -hmm. So somebody, the only guy I have not spoken to, and I wish I could speak to him uh, sometime soon, is definitely Billy Wagner. Because the way we're setting up our agency we did a similar thing in Puerto Rico for property managers. So we want to do the same thing we did in Florida, but, you know, to work with realtors and loan officers. Basically, you're traveling up and down. You got a schedule. You got to run a tight schedule. If I have a meeting, if I'm doing this podcast with you guys, everything is on calendar. I use Slack. Slack has been a huge blessing for us. We use it, I don't know, maybe five, six years we've been using it. So we're always communicating, even Zoom. I remember having team meetings with my team in Puerto Rico through Zoom while I was on an airport. Most of the time I'm traveling up and down, even though I sold the agency uh, in Puerto Rico last February, the traveling I was doing up and down between Puerto Rico and Florida, I, I also go to Washington for PIA. I speak at different conventions or I teach different CE courses. So basically I'm going up and down most of the time. So the best way to manage it, if you're doing something as crazy as I did, <laughs> which is crazy, by the way, um, because it takes a lot of time. 
you definitely got to be very strict with your calendar, very strict and make sure you block time for everything you're doing and be on point with it. That would be my best tip or suggestion. Tell me how you utilize Slack. I did something with the, uh, the arm of the crap out of Slack. I love the crap out of Slack. Yeah. I've never, I've never utilized Slack before, but tell me how you guys, you Bradley, you can jump in here too, because I know you can speak to this as well, but how do you guys utilize Slack to maximize, you know, what, what it is and, and how you use it? I use it as a messaging tool intra office. So it's only for your, for your people, your team, your office, your staff, whatever. What it cuts down is a lot of the easy calls that take out of your time. Like, listen, a Bradley call, he has an emergency. He wants you to call him back. So when you use Slack, you're tagging people and, and basically you're going straight to the point. So we say Slack, I mean, it's not about opinions. Slack is not a formal email. We're using it. So right now you're doing the podcast. Unless you say one of your CSRs sends you a Slack saying, Scott, once you're off the podcast, we need you to call the office because we have this problem. Or, you know, this person call. We got to take care of this claim. So you can open different channels and assign them. We have one channel for one producer, another channel for one producer, another channel for callback, another channel for agency development. So they were different things that we used it for, um, that, but it works really good, really, really good. You want to jump in, Bradley? At its simplest form, it's an internal communication system. Texting you know, platform, correct? Not, yeah. not well, you can have it on your phone, but it's, I mean, it's messaging. You right. know, I know, I don't know how nationwide was, but I know a lot of captive companies have their Skype or whatever, where you can chat with, with it's, it's kind of the same thing, right? And so we, we initially got it for that. It's got an open API and it's got Zapier connection. I mean, you can connect it with anything. We have it connected with our management system. A couple of things we're doing with it. And there's some agents out there. I saw one the other day posted. He probably had like 200 different channels, maybe one for each carrier and built automations so that if anything happens with said carrier in the management system, it notifies us in Slack because as insurance agents, I mean, I don't know about you, Scott and Ariel, but I probably get no short of 250 emails a day. Yeah. 95% of them either are spam or I didn't need to get that email and I've had to forward it out to the person that it belonged to. So it's, it's kind of another layer of more important stuff. But a couple of things that we have in there, we've got a channel that's just like our general like team chat, you know, instead of having like a team group text, team chat for things going on, we've got one for hot, we call it our hot leads channel, which is any lead that comes in from any online source goes into the hot leads channel. It notifies everybody. And then um, the person goes under there and claims it just, just replies to the, to the, the text that comes in and claims it. I got one. That's some, one. That's some Game of Thrones shit right there. I've got first <laughs> first person to the first person to the Slack lead gets it. Yep. I love it. Yep. On that note, I am a huge anti proponent of a round robin or rotation system. I've been in that situation at my prior company. I don't think a rotation is the best way to pass business amongst producers because this is just one example. Let's say Scott's at lunch. Lead comes in. It's Scott's turn. Ariel's the one that took the lead in, but it's Scott's turn. So now Ariel has to do one of two things. He's got to wait until Scott gets back to lunch. And especially if it's personal lines in that one hour, that customer's definitely gotten some more quotes nine times out of 10. Therefore we've given a bad customer experience to that client or Ariel takes the lead, which creates long-term animosity with Scott. Yep. Bad for your culture. That's what happens. 
Let me just deep dive a little bit on that, Bradley, for you, because I know you won't. You're too nice to do this. But one thing I've seen and one thing that Bradley has, has experienced is if you've got an agency with multiple agents inside the agency from a politics standpoint of who likes who the best, you can also run into situations where Karen, the person that, that, that took the phone call, likes Bradley more than she likes Scott. So inevitably, Bradley's getting more leads than Scott gets. I know you know what I'm talking about, Bradley. That's back to my spy days where we've caught people doing that. Um, Yeah, that happens. So so what we do in our agency is the lead goes to, outside of if it was referred, we had one a second ago where somebody else was working on it. We found out that person actually was referred to another. So we had to handle that. That's fine. Outside of that, um, if it's just a general lead that comes into the agency, which more times than not, that's what it is with us, the person that is most equipped to handle that lead handles that lead. Yeah. Who can give the best experience? Who can claim it and work on it right now? The person that's sitting on their butt just waiting on stuff to come in, it's not that person, right? It may be somebody that's a little busier than that person, but it's not swamp. So that's how we handle that. Anyway, we have hot leads for that. Um, we've got another one for office supplies. I'm not the best when it comes to knowing what we need in the office. Um, that was me too. <laughs> we have an office supplies channel. I'm like, hey, guys, if you know we're low on something or you need something to better perform your job, put a message in the office supplies channel. Once a month, I'm going to go to Sam's. I'm going to order supplies, and that's the list I'm going to go off of. So if we're out of printer ink, we're out of printer ink. We're out of toilet paper. Hey, we're getting low on toilet paper, that sort of thing. So we have that. My favorite channel is the one that's uh, that I just actually got a notification on that's sales party. Anytime there's a sale made in our office when the, when the clients move to sold in the CRM, immediately everybody in the office gets a notification that says, hey, uh, Natasha just sold a policy to such and such Brown. I'm looking at this right now. Such and such Brown. And then it says, whoop, whoop, this much in premium. This was the carrier and this was the lead source. So the person, it's a robot that sends that. The name is Portal Combat because we're in combat. Um, so that's our sales party. We have another one for service requests. Any service requests that come into the VA are in there. And the next thing that I'm about to do with Slack, this may be a huge mistake, or this may be one of the best things I've ever done is I get inundated with emails and I'm too OCD to ignore emails till the end of the day. I will drown in emails, replying and deciphering. And a lot of it, you know, when I started the agency, the first two months it was just me before I hired somebody. A lot of our carrier service stuff and all that are set up to come to my email. A lot of my day is just going through email and saying, okay, this goes to her, this goes to him. I need to reply to this one, that sort of thing. So I'm actually uh, literally tomorrow interviewing for an additional virtual assistant that's going to act as basically my personal assistant. And one of their main jobs is going to be to manage my email. We're going to have three levels. Okay. And it's going to take us some time to work this out to figure out what's what level one is going to be basic stuff that he or she can reply to, right. As Bradley's assistant, Scott emailing me and saying, Hey, what time can you do lunch on Thursday? That kind of stuff, right. Level two is going to be, are going to be emails that can be replied to at the end of the day. And they're going to put those in a folder that are emails that reply to the end of the day or stuff that needs to be, you know, if this email is actually for John, listen to John. Level one is going to be emails that I need to handle right now. 
And the way we're going to do that is we're going to build a zap between Gmail, G Suite, which is what we use for our email, and Slack. They're going to star because, you know, if you all use Gmail, you can star in Gmail. When she stars it, it's going to send it to a special channel in Slack. And I can reply, and then they go back, and rep- this is what he says. Awesome. So nice. that's one way that I'm going to use Slack really to wide. make – make no dude I, dude just be completely honest man i came up with that all on my own uh, I, that i was like what can i do to free up my time listen <laughs> and that I was feel, I, I feel your pain because i'm in the same boat i get 250 emails a day 100 100 of them are just stuff that i just delete yep you know 50 of them are stuff i can reply to later yep. and then there's 20 or 30 of them that i probably need to jump on pretty quick yep yep it may, to some people, it may be like, well, that's a little excessive. Like you're taking yourself too seriously. But I just yeah. think about like, what could I get done? Like I got home from work two days ago and I was just so pissed off. And Laurel was like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I had four things I really had to get done today that were on the calendar and I could not get to them because I just kept getting bombarded with, with having to handle problems. Right. You know? I get so, so that's, pissed. I'm just like you, man. I get so pissed when that happens. I know it's frustrating. I mean, I got something right now I've got to work on for David Carruthers that I hadn't started and I was supposed to be done with it yesterday. So anyway, I just, that, that's one thing I'm, I'm doing. And the other thing that that assistant's going to do is they are going to see new business from the time it's written to issuance. So we're going to have sort of a backend type CRM thing. Okay. Did we get the application? Do we have the payment? Is the client satisfied? There's going to be a checklist and they're just going to just, the two things they're just going to hone in on are my email and following up because we don't want to drop any balls on new business. We've had some cases recently because we write so much new business that maybe something, an app has fallen through the cracks and nothing bad's happened, but the client's, client gets a notice cancellation and, and we have to fix it, right? I don't want that to happen. So that VA is just going to track that. So, but anyway, we use, man, we use Slack for a ton. Um, CJ Hunt Spiller and I are working on a project right now. I turned CJ on to Slack. He didn't like it at first. And the other day on this project, he said, if we can't use Slack on it, I'm not going to use it. I'm not going to do the project. I would encourage anybody, if they're looking at an internal communication system, to sort of layer on top of emails to look at that. Another, another thing we did, I just got a message five minutes ago from one of my team members that said, hey, I need you to call Miss such and such today. So my system is if somebody calls from me, Unless it's urgent, they say Bradley returns calls between 4 and 5 p.m. I don't want my day to be reactionary. Bradley's going to call you back between 4 and 5. So what it does, when I hit the save button in Slack, so on that individual message, I hit save. When I hit that, it actually sends a calendar invite into my calendar at 4 o'clock. That way I can look and I got all my, okay, this is, you know. So we, we use it for a ton and it's only becoming bigger. I apologize for taking all the time, but no, I'm man, no, no man, great insight. Great insight. Yeah, great, Slack great is definitely stuff. awesome. I encourage so, everyone to use it. So Ariel, I'm going to shut this thing down. I want to tell you how blessed and honored I am to have you on the show today. I think this has been a great episode. Guys, listen to me. I know, I understand, especially if you're one of the 250,000 insurance agents that are in middle America, you may think, that you are never going to get wet on this ride. One of my buddies said that to me right before we went down the log ride at Six Flags over <laughs> Georgia one time. He, he looked at me and he said, I never get wet on these rides. 
we got off the ride and he literally looked like he had just gotten out of the shower <laughs> with all his clothes on. So I know that all you agents think that it's never going to happen to you. You're never going to have a, a, a catastrophic event. I will tell you right now, having experienced that, that you need to get your staff together. You need to reverse engineer. You know, when you think of catastrophe, think of the fact that cell phones aren't going to work. Power is going to be off. Probably not going to have a lot of the uh, internet's probably not going to work for up to seven to 14 days. You need to create a catastrophic event plan, have that in place for the event of something happening, because it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when that's going to happen. So hundred percent rewards come from action, not discussion guys, get your ass out from behind that desk today, go out into the big, bad world, create relationships. First rule of leadership, if you're going to be a great leader, it's all about other people. It's never about you. And that is the basis behind all leadership. Get your ass out there today, meet people, love them up, go make money for your family, for your wife, for your husband and your kids and your parents that are struggling out there today. Go help them by making money and selling insurance write good business for the companies that you represent and write good business for the agencies that you represent. I love you, Bradley flowers. Thanks Scott. Thanks Ariel. Hey, great job. Hey, today, Bradley. Ariel. I love you too. If you ever I need love me. You, Scott, man, I hey. love your home, your energy. I love your kindness. I love you too, Bradley. Man. You guys are awesome. Keep yep. doing what you're doing. Do me a favor, Bradley, and shoot me Ariel's number on my cell phone. So I'll have it. Okay. Will do guys. Send me a text message. Okay. Make sure Ariel opts in first. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to see you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at iprotectins at gmail.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to bradleyflowersinsurance.com or email him at bradley at sarahlandinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to being with you again real soon on the next episode of the Insurance Guys. Take care.